0: for joining us today on episode number 198 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today we're talking about lower back pain in runners. So as you get older, you might start to notice some aches and pains that might not have been there before. A lot of runners tend to experience some form of lower back pain either before, during, or after running. So today we're going to talk about why it might be happening and what you can do about it.
1: This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now, let's get running.
0: All right, so today we are going to be talking about lower back pain in runners.
1: Yes, so grab an ice pack and let's roll.
0: <laughs> so, this is a condition that is relatively common. Lower back pain is actually something that affects over 80% of people worldwide at some point in their lives. That's because
1: the other 20% didn't get surveyed properly.
0: Probably. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that all of us at some point in time, like once you're over a certain age, whatever that age might be, I think it's really 25 or 30. Like, I think it's pretty, a lot younger than you think it is.
1: Or pregnant. You lit up your back when you're you're pregnant. Oh, yeah. Because you're carrying weight in like odd places. Yep.
0: Yep. So, Lower back pain is something that's very common. So today we want to talk about like how common is it in runners? Is running actually good for your back? Is it bad for your back? What can you do if you have lower back pain? Why might it be happening? And kind of give you guys some more information and some tools to help you if this is something that you're experiencing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know over years of, of selling running shoes, we would definitely, we'd always get the people that come in and instead of like going to a physical therapist or, or whoever else they probably should be talking to with like <laughs> a medical degree, they'd come in and ask like the shoe salesman. Yeah. Like the I've teenager
0: got, selling shoes.
1: I got pain on the inside of my knee. We, you know, when I first started selling shoes, they were going to the guy who'd been selling shoes for the last like 40 years. Right. Right. so like he knew all of the injuries he'd mm-hmm. seen all the injuries he'd had half of them himself right. so he knew the answers to these guys but they'd come in and they'd see me there and they'd be like hey scary here <laughs> and, like I know because they hobble in it wasn't like okay I can get you your shoes I can mm-hmm. do that part but you, you need to talk to Gary you got an injury oh
0: yeah I mean people are looking for like free medical advice and and, it's like, and he
1: was willing to give it
0: totally I mean Gary was willing to give advice to anybody that was willing to listen
1: <laughs> if they were going to sit down in a chair he would chat them up <laughs>
0: totally and, and this is the thing right like you always I think this is a good point that I wasn't even planning on making with this episode is watch who you get advice from
1: ooh that's a good, right? good life lesson there. Yeah,
0: I mean, really, in, in reality, like, are you getting your information from the right sources or from reliable sources? Like, yes, it, maybe the shoe guy at the shoe store has a lot of great advice. And, and I know that Gary, in particular, this guy that we're talking about, has so much experience, both running and coaching runners, and specifically with running injuries. But low back pain, for example, I know you were talking about kind of foot pain or knee pain and those kinds of things, right? But like low back pain is one of those things that isn't really considered a running-related injury, Um, A lot of times, right? And so I I looked at a research study today um, as I was making this outline. There was a recent uh, meta-analysis done in June of 2020. So a a recent study. Pretty darn recent. That looked at a bunch of different research. So it was a a systemic review of the research. So basically (laughs) what they do is go in and look at other research studies and kind of summarize all of the findings.
1: So so it was March of 2020 and they're like, you know what we should do now that we're locked inside of our houses? Metadata analysis. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it actually was published in June, but yeah, I mean, they probably started collecting it in March, right? Right? (laughs) So there you go. So anywho, There was um, a lot of really great information in this, but that's one of the things that I'm saying here is just like, you know, watch who you get information from. You know, if you are going to find someone, find an expert, like a physical therapist, like an orthopedic, that's someone that is knowledgeable in these kinds of injuries. And if you can get a physical therapist that's also a running coach, I mean...
1: Don't That's just like... don't just listen to a random podcast unless one of the hosts of the podcast is in fact a running physical therapist. Then then you're pretty solid with the advice coming in actually. Right,
0: you. right. You know, that doctorate degree really does help sometimes.
1: Sometimes.
0: <laughs> so okay, so today we're gonna talk about lower back pain in runners.
1: All right, so you mentioned this meta analysis. What does yep. it actually say with lower back pain as far as runners were concerned? Because eighty percent of the world has low back pain. Right. What about running?
0: It actually showed that the incidence of low back pain in runners specifically was actually much, much lower than the general population. So that was actually something interesting that they, when they were doing the analysis at the end, one of the conclusions that they drew, like it wasn't really a a conclusion, but just a possibility that running could actually serve a protective factor against lower back pain because in general, runners only experience lower back pain about 20% of the time as compared to like 80% in the normal population. population. And again, you have to take all of this data with a grain of salt, right? Who are they surveying, right? So like I said, this was a systemic review. So it checked out a lot of different studies out there, research studies. And so some of them were done on like elite marathoners, some of them were done on recreational runners. So you have to kind of know where the information is coming from as well as right, as well as ages and genders and all of that.
1: When you're looking at like this meta-analysis, they're not doing a specific study. They're not trying cause and effect. They're really looking at How big of an audience can they do? Mm -hmm. If they look at all of the studies and put them together, your audience gets pretty wide. And to only come up with 20%, Mm -hmm. that's a pretty good correlation that running and low back pain don't necessarily correspond, but sometimes they do. Those 20% out there of runners with the lower back pain are like, okay, but what about me?
0: Right. Well, and it was actually 20% was the high end too. Like some of the studies were like 3.7%. Like it kind of ranged from around 3% to all the way up to about 22% depending on the study that they were looking at. So I think that that's just before we like get into, you know, How to what's going on with lower back pain and how to treat and all that stuff that we're going to talk about today, just knowing that if you do have lower back pain or if lower back pain is something that you want to avoid having in your life, running is actually a good thing. Like running seems to be a, a protective factor against this. Runners tend to have a lower incidence of lower back pain as compared to the general population. And that's a really good thing.
1: That's a win. That's a that's a good win.
0: Exactly. So what are some risk factors um, that would put a runner at higher risk for developing low back pain. So when they looked at all of these different studies, they came up with several things that would increase your risk for developing low back pain.
1: Yeah, you get an interesting list here. And some of them, I was like, huh, that's a weird one. Like right. the first one, a BMI over 24 makes sense. So right. like a little larger So if runner. you're
0: overweight or obese, then that puts you at a higher risk for lower back pain. But then- that is just the general population
1: right but that that makes more logical sense see like yeah. you have more pounding on you the compression there's just a lot going on there well,
0: especially people that tend to hold their weight in their stomach yep. that's pulling more on the
1: lower spine increased height yeah why is that a risk factor
0: maybe because it's a longer spine.
1: I'd possibly I know should... that was a
0: funny one right I,
1: I find that one odd running more than six years mm-hmm. is also a weird one and I got I have a speculation on this one okay the longer you run like the longer you've been running mm-hmm. the more likely you are to have decided you know what marathoning that seems like a good idea
0: well it, it's actually funny that you say that because what they did find in the research was that lower back pain was independent of of race distance.
1: Yeah, and I'm thrown. And
0: then you're thrown. Yeah, because, so it, it did not show that, like, marathoners had more incidence of low back pain than, like, 5K or 10K. So it was independent of that.
1: But you suggest that, like, runners have a lower incidence of lower back pain than the general population. Right. But running for more than six years, so it seems like the... A, there's a cumulative effect. Like there's a, there's a window where running is good, but well, more running is not necessarily good.
0: I've got theories. Okay. What do Okay. You got? So I think that this is related to some of the other things that they found, um, such as restricted hip flexion. Okay. Okay. So if your range of motion, if, if you, um, don't have like hip flexion is when you bring your knee up towards your chest. Yes. So if that is restricted, then That you have a higher risk for lower back pain, Um, leg length discrepancy. So, and that would also lead to uneven shoe wear. Like when they looked at their shoe, they said if you wear more on the outside of the shoe or on the inside of the shoe, you have more um, risk of lower back pain. So, really, that's proving like the leg length discrepancy or um, uneven foot.
1: More on the outside or fall. inside, not left versus right. Mm-mm. Interesting.
0: No, and it was it was both. So it was just that it was uneven on yeah. both sides. So if
1: you're if you're not wearing an appropriately supportive shoe,
0: right? But if if one side is wearing differently than the other, like if the left and right are wearing differently yeah. from each other, right? Yep. Um, Poor hamstring and back flexibility. That was another risk factor. And this was another funny one that I that I I was trying to look into what they meant by this, um, and it wasn't clearly defined. So I will have to look into this a little bit more. They said not performing traditional aerobics weekly. So I'm not quite sure what they meant by traditional aerobics. Um, when I looked further in and was reading the actual study, um, it was it talked about contact sports. It was saying that um, runners that had not previously participated in contact sports were more likely to develop lower back pain, which I found to be interesting.
1: I, I wouldn't put contact sports as traditional aerobic Correct. activities.
0: Correct. So that's you, why I was like looking for what they defined as traditional you, aerobic activities.
1: You just dub it traditional aerobic activities and I'm immediately thinking like jazzercise sports. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what people are thinking, right? Yes. So I think that I'm kind of guessing that this is like strength training and core exercises, like aerobics. A lot of times, is like calisthenics, calisthenics. you know, like push-ups and planks and those kinds of things. It's
1: what I did at like the beginning of PE class in grade yeah, school. That would be my guess, right?
0: Right, but so I will have to um, kind of see if I can find out some more information. So those tend to be the risk factors. So to go back to the the one that's running more than six years, I think that that is really because of bad habits that people develop and then the tightness and like the lack of strength and the lack of mobility that basically just catch up to you. It's not that it's the running more than six years. It's the fact that they've been doing it that time and it's just been getting tighter and weaker during that entire period.
1: It's avoiding all of the other stuff that you should be doing while running. It's avoiding the strength training and the mobility and the flexibility and like the drill work and the form work. It's avoiding all of that and just continuously running. Right. It just keeps compounding and eventually it it does in fact open you up to some more back pain. I get it.
0: Okay. So what are some possible causes of lower back pain? There are Several things that can be causing lower back pain. So today we're just going to talk about some of the more common ones.
1: Okay. So this is a this is a big list of medical terms you got here. So you try and explain them, and I'll make sure that they're getting well explained because I got I don't have anything on most. Okay. So
0: here. so there's a couple of ways that we can look at this. If you've never been diagnosed with a condition before, then it could possibly just be kind of some muscle spasms, some muscle tightness, trigger points that that can form in the muscle, which are basically a result of of weakness, of imbalance, of the lack of flexibility, like it was talking about earlier as, as a risk factor, like sometimes those things develop.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've totally had that, especially after like a long run, I've had lower back pain, mm-hmm. but I also have very tight hips mm-hmm. because I don't strengthen them enough. So the right. weakness leads to tightness and then you head out for a couple of hours <laughs> running. And I know that it says that the lower back pain is independent of your mileage, but you know, it's one of those things where it's fine for the first few miles because the weakness and the tightness doesn't show up that early. Right. It's as, I have, as everything else gets exhausted mm-hmm. and now I'm using the muscles that are already kind of fatigued right. and not strong enough in the first place, now the lower back starts saying, hey, what are you doing?
0: Excuse the interruption, but I just had to pop in and let you know about an upcoming workshop that we're hosting inside the Real Life Runners Academy. If you're someone that's ever struggled with thoughts or beliefs that are getting in your way, or you think you're self sabotaging yourself and you can't understand why you're doing things that you don't want to do or not doing things that you know you should be doing or want to be doing, this message is for you. We're hosting a special academy workshop May 14th, and we're bringing in an expert in neuro linguistic programming, Ms. Megan Blacksmith. And she's going to be teaching us how the thoughts that we have can either be helping us in our life or holding us back. And we want to invite you, our amazing podcast listeners, to join us. So you don't have to be a member of the Academy to join us this month you can join for a small one-time fee by going over to realliferunners.com forward slash workshop. If you are a current Academy member, this and all of our monthly workshops and all experts, that's all already included in your current membership. So if you are a current member, do not go to the website and repurchase because it's already included with your membership. But if you want to join just for the workshop, check it out over at realliferunnerscom slash workshop today. Now, back to the show. Exactly, and so that's really the most common thing that I would say that runners that don't have an underlying condition at least not that they know of that's probably what's happening here is it's a result of muscle weakness muscle tightness lack of flexibility those kinds of things there are some other conditions that can cause lower back pain and these might be conditions that start to affect us more as we age right so if you are in your fourth fifth sixth decade of life you know then these things might be something that you might be start to think about so the first would be degenerative disc disease or ddd which is basically like the discs between your vertebrae are starting to wear out your your spine is made up of a bunch of vertebrae which basically look like blocks stacked upon each other and in between each of the blocks is a little cushion and that is your disc okay and as we get older that disc tends to wear out. And so, for some people, it's more significant than others um, over time. Like, we lose height in the disc and we, because the cartilage starts to wear down. So for some people, they just wear that out completely. Some people just kind of, like, naturally shrink a little bit with age. Yeah. But those discs do tend to wear down a bit.
1: So like when you're younger, those discs kind of like keep poofing themselves back up.
0: Right. Overnight. Like overnight. Yeah. That's like, it, just the whole they idea. They basically, of- they're like little sponges and yeah. that's why hydra- One of the, another reason that hydration is so important because when we hydrate, uh, those discs absorb water from our body and basically help to increase the level of that cushion. And then as we go throughout our day, you actually lose height. If you actually measure yourself in the morning versus in the evening, you're a little bit shorter in the evening than you were in the morning.
1: Right. Which is why when you go to the amusement park with the kids, you want to go on the ride that they're barely tall enough (laughs) first thing in the morning. One, that's as hydrated as they're going to get because they're just getting dehydrated all day long, standing out there in the sun. (laughs) And two, they're just shrinking all day long.
0: There you go. I mean, it's not that significant, but, um, but yes, if you need to make a height cut off, there you go. (laughs) Okay. So the second one would be degenerative joint disease or DJD or arthritis. Okay. So this is when the bones are actually starting to wear out. So so the discs can wear out and then the bones can actually start to wear down um, like the protective covering of the bones.
1: Do they connect with each other? Like if the cushion wears out or the bones actually rubbing against each other, is that right. the problem? Or the bone itself can can do even if you've it's got both, a cushion?
0: It's both. Um, like sometimes the, the bones can be slightly like displaced and uh-huh. slipped. Um, and it's just, yeah. It, it, but there's different parts of the vertebrae that touch. Okay. So they're kind of like building blocks but they also have these like protrusions that come out the back okay and so there are like little joints called facet joints where they also touch each other that the disc is not even in that area
1: and that part is could be could get uncomfortable bone on bone rubbing and then it correct. breaks down
0: correct and so facet facet impingement is like you know if, if you've ever um turned funny and you've just had that like stabbing sharp pain or or woken up um and had that like kink in your back like a lot of times that's from a facet joint that just kind of gets stuck yeah. um, but if you are constantly like if you're if you have problems with your lower back, those joints can wear out as well.
1: Yeah, or you constantly have that kink in your back. Like you have it and then it goes away and then it's back like the next day. Like Mm -hmm. that could be an issue. I tend to get that more in the neck than lower back myself.
0: Same, yeah, Um, until I changed pillows. And then it's been much better since that. Um, Spinal stenosis is another one. Okay, so spinal stenosis is basically the narrowing of the spaces in the spine. Also related to DDD and DJD. um, It's just basically a different different term. It, they're all kind of interconnected, right? They're they're all kind of related, right? Um, But when those spaces narrow in the spine, then they can put pressure on the nerves. And so when people have like sciatica or those kinds of issues where the pain is starting to run into the buttocks, down the leg, not just centered in the lower back, it could be um, a result of a disc herniation, which is another cause here. Um, It could be a result of spinal stenosis, the actual narrowing of the canals in the spine.
1: All right. So we got the first guy where your cushions are wearing out, the second guy where the bones themselves. Themselves are wearing down. The third guy wear; it's wearing down so much that it's impinging on nerves, and you start getting radiating pain.
0: Right, because the spaces are smaller. Like the, it's kind of like a canal where the nerve goes through. And yeah. if the discs and the bones kind of start to wear down, that canal gets smaller. Gotcha. And so then it can put pressure. Okay. Um. And then, so spinal stenosis doesn't always call, cause pain down the leg, um, but a lot of times that's one of the things that a lot like leads to this diagnosis because people start to have that and then they figure out they have stenosis um disc herniation is same is um can also lead to pain down the leg or or into the buttocks but basically what happens is a piece of that disc kind of protrudes into the space um and those those that can heal that disc herniations are more common in younger runners or younger people in general, but they're actually much more common than you realize. It was something like almost everyone over the age of like 25 or 30 has some form of disc herniation. Neat. It just doesn't actually cause a problem for most people. Um, and so, like, if you ever have lower back pain and you go get an MRI, like if you're in your 40s or your 50s, they're like, "Oh, you have a herniated disc And it's like, "Yeah, great. Everybody does." Like, and, and this is what I, I tell some <laughs> I had of my it patients, for the last 20 years. This is what I tell patients. Like, okay, yeah, but. But your disc isn't what's causing your problem because it doesn't follow the, the right pain pattern, right? Yeah. Like, So there are different pain patterns that we know as physical therapists of this is commonly what discs present like. So just because you have a disc herniation doesn't mean that that's necessarily the cause of the pain. The pain could be coming from somewhere else. You could have had that disc herniation for the past 10 years and it never caused a problem. Never
1: caused a problem. Right. It's still not causing a problem. It's just there when you get the MRI. Right,
0: or it can it, you know, maybe it never caused a problem, but now you you decided to take up running, and now the extra pounding is maybe pushed it a little bit further uh, into the canal,
1: or yeah. So you kind of kind of builds on it. it yeah, it, it strains a, a, an issue that wasn't an issue until mm-hmm. you started stressing it a little right, extra, right?
0: Right. Um, and then you can also get pain from the sacroiliac joint, which is also known as the SI joint. Um, so if you were to put like your your hands like on your hips and like. Uh, where your fingers are facing forward and your thumbs are kind of facing back, you could probably feel like your two thumbs um, hit like these two little dimples yep. in your lower back. Yep. I think, hopefully you guys know what I'm talking about there. That's your SI joint, okay? You know if
1: you're not driving right now, you mm-hmm. now have your hands on your hips and your thumbs trying to find that dimple back yeah. there. Yeah,
0: try to find those two little dimples on the on the lower part of your back. Um, so that's your SI joint, and that can kind of like shift a little bit. Um And cause a lot of pain. So people that have SI joint problems tend to have a lot of problems, a lot of pain when they're like getting up out of a chair or like changing positions. That tends to be like a big trigger for SI joint pain.
1: I feel like if you have a a shift in the SI joint that's going to cause some of the other lack of mobility and, and... Like hip flexion and all of this stuff. Well, it's stuff all that the chicken and before. the egg, yes.
0: Right? Is it the hip flexion, the lack of hip mobility and the lack of back flexibility that caused the SI joint problem, or did the SI joint problem cause all those things? We don't really know.
1: Either way, your back hurts.
0: Yeah, either way, your back hurts. So, why is this happening all of a sudden, right? Like, yes, we can be getting older. Yes, things tend to kind of wear out. Over time. But to me, you guys know, I don't like that as an excuse. That's a terrible Um, answer. What can we actually do about it? Like, first, why is this happening? So... In general, if you are starting to develop lower back pain when you're running, the first thing you want to look at is your training, okay? Are you are you doing too much, too soon, too often? Are you ramping up your training too quickly? Yes,
1: the problem of the twos. Too yes. much, too soon, too often. It, you need the recovery time, and you need to gradually increase. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to get to their accomplishment. I would like to run a half marathon. Oh, when? Thursday? Yeah. Like, that? that's just probably too soon. Like Mm. everybody wants the results and they want them right now and you got to take your time on this.
0: Right. And when you ramp up too quickly, your body doesn't have time to catch up and build the strength and the mobility that it needs. So what happens is when you don't have the muscle strength to help keep the body stable, then what the body naturally does because your body is such a beautiful, beautiful creation and beautiful machine is that the muscles tighten up to try to stabilize. So instead of the muscles just kind of like contracting and stabilizing like they should, they just try to like kind of tighten up on the area to stabilize it. And that leads to muscle tightness, lack of flexibility, lack of mobility, and then pain.
1: Right. This is the whole idea that muscle weakness very, very often presents as muscle tightness. Correct. That you're not necessarily, I mean, you are tight because the muscle is so weak that in order for that muscle to like pretend like it's super strong, it's just, like, constantly flexing.
0: <laughs> exactly. It's like,
1: it's the scrawny guy at the beach. Yeah. He's literally just constantly going to stand there and flex to look as big as possible. Mm-hmm. He's not, but yeah. he's going to do it at all times. Right.
0: Or it's also, like, taking an ace bandage and trying to, like, wrap it around an unstable joint. To try to stabilize that area, it's just going to like try to tighten and constrict, yeah. And it's it's not going to work. Like it's, it's the it's, illusion of stability, it's but illusion. it's not
1: actually as stable as right. it. it should be. To just strengthen the area,
0: yeah. So first thing you want to check out is making sure that you're not ramping up your training too quickly. Second thing you want to look at is your muscle imbalance. So almost all pain in the body, I would almost go as far to say as almost 100% of pain. But actually, I can't say that because there are just like acute injuries that happen sometimes, right, that um, just kind of come out of nowhere. But most injuries in the body, especially running-related injuries, because, you know some statistics say that like up to 85 percent of runners will be injured at some point in time in their running journey and the majority of those injuries like 80 percent of those injuries are repetitive use injuries excuse me they're not acute injuries like an acute injury would be like you know falling off the sidewalk and spraining your ankle. That's an acute injury.
1: Which I don't even, I would argue is not even a running injury. That's because you like, you landed funny, like you're on a trail, you trip on a, a root, you step on a rock funny and you fall and you, you bang your knee, you right. cut your, that's not a running injury. That you is just happened to
0: be running while right, you did it?
1: It's you <laughs> tripping on something as you ran. That's yeah. not a running injury. I, I, I know that that's how the study, that's how right. all of this data comes out there of like, oh, like 80% of them are repetitive use. No all of them are repetitive use and sometimes runners trip.
0: Like that's really the
1: answer. (laughs) Right,
0: right. So, I mean, that's really what we're talking about here is running-related injuries are almost always due to some sort of muscle imbalance, okay? Whether or not that is weakness or tightness or mobility or flexibility, that's questionable. But I think it all comes really down to weakness because like Kevin said, one of my favorite things to tell people and, and to say is that, a tight muscle is usually a weak muscle. And so, if that muscle is weak, that usually causes some tightness. Like, some people are just naturally tight in certain areas. Like, sure. my calves are generally tight. That's just kind of how I was built. It's because of my ankle, you know, my ankle mobility and the way that my bones are aligned. Like you find out all these fun things about yourself in physical therapy school. (laughs) Like, you know, because when I was in PT school, it's like, you know, you practice on each other. And so we we all knew the one that had the messed up ankle. We knew somebody that had a messed up wrist, like the person that was hypermobile and could like, you know, use her arms as jump ropes. Like everybody kind of, we figured out what weird abnormalities that everybody had in their body.
1: Right. I mean, and some of these things have been there for years. Like you, Mm -hmm. you've probably always had this. You probably didn't realize in like first grade that you had lack of ankle mobility. Mm -hmm. I learned really quickly that I can't bend over and touch my toes. Right. Because it's part of the frickin' presidential fitness test is the <laughs> sit and reach. And I was nowhere near my toes. Like, I can see them, but I'm not touching them.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. So some people just naturally have less flexibility. Some people are, naturally have more flexibility. Um, I always tell people that you only need to have enough. Yes. Like, you don't always have to be stretching. Not all runners need to stretch um, in order to increase muscle length. But that's a different conversation. Um, so. If back to lower back pain, there's some sort of muscle imbalance going on here, okay? Either, and it's probably due to some sort of weakness, um, and we're gonna go into specifically what kind of weakness here in in a little bit, Um, but it's pretty much in your hip muscles, in your core muscles.
1: Okay, so when you say muscle imbalance, this is kind of, goes back to that whole idea of, like, your shoes are not wearing correctly. It's not that you have overall weakness, I mean, you probably do, Mm -hmm. but it's the left to right, or the front to back Mm -hmm. difference that's messing with you.
0: Right. Or it could just be both. Like it's for sure that there's some sort of weakness. But yes, when when we talk about muscle imbalance, it's because like you said, either front to back, like the front is stronger than the back and they're not balancing each other out or left to right. Like you have one side that's a little bit stronger or a little bit weaker than the other. And this could be from past injuries right like if you played lacrosse or you played soccer or whatever and you had a knee injury when you were 18 years old and you didn't rehab that properly that side is probably still a little weak like it's, it's one of those things that once you get injured on a side a lot of people think that you never quite build up that strength all the way back to where it was before it was injured I, I say it depends on how much strength work you put in you yeah. know um but you know, you do have that little bit of lack of strength. So if you've ever had any sort of previous injury, that would be an area to look at to see, like, you know, is this muscle is the same strength on both sides?
1: Yeah, it kind of goes back to, I mean, that's the negative of having the other sports. But what was what was the thing? Not performing traditional aerobics weekly. Yes. So <laughs> if you... I don't know why I had to have that accent to it. That's my, like, fancy voice. Um, is that your Jane Vonda voice? Uh, sure. Um, if you... Are coming from another sport that, that's especially like leg dominant, like soccer, for mm-hmm. example. You have a dominant leg. Yeah. So that leg could, in fact, be substantially stronger that's than the other one because, like, if you always kick with your left, that leg's gonna be substantially stronger. Mm-hmm. And you can then see this if you try and just go off on a run, your hips are twisting a lot more than they're supposed to be because they're out of balance. One yeah. side's just totally stronger, the other side is then like extra tight because it's trying to overcompensate, mm-hmm. and you get a a lot more movement through the hips that's not really supposed to be there.
0: Right, it, it's the same thing with even basketball. Like, soccer yeah. is a great example. But even basketball, like, if you're right-hand dominant, you're, you're going to more likely go to the right, right? Like, when you're dribbling down the court, you're going to go to the right. So there's more muscles that are going to be used on one side versus the other. Like when you're cutting and planting and, you know, it's, it might not be as significant because, you know, there's the kicking leg in soccer, but it's still, you know, when you're playing sports like that, a lot of times there is that imbalance. I,
1: I got to give the example of the runner on our team who had the messed up arm yes, carriage. Yes.
0: This is such a good example. It was
1: the oddest arm carriage and I'm watching her run. And I'm like, why does her left arm not swing? Yeah. Like it just didn't swing. The right arm swing norm just was perfect. Swing. I don't think is the word for that one. Swung. Sure. The right arm moved correctly and the left arm literally just like froze off to the side and it kind of flared ever so slightly. And I'm like, okay, you got to move your left arm back and forth. And she could stand there and do it. Mm-hmm. And then she'd take off running and the left arm would just boom. It just It was like solid. Like this is the weirdest thing. And after one cross country season, we went and watched her play basketball with mm-hmm. our girls it was like, Oh, well they're, they're on the basketball team. Let's just support them and go out and we'll cheer for them. And I'm watching her go down. She always dribble with the right hand and she put the left arm out to block defenders from getting in to steal the ball. I'm just like, Oh, so she's just blocking the ball at all times. Mm-hmm. Every time she runs, the left arm automatically goes out just in case someone's trying to steal the ball from her.
0: Yeah. I loved when you like realized that too, because we were literally just seeing in the bleachers and you're like, Oh my God, that's it. And I was like, what are you talking about? You're like, Grace's arm. (laughs) Look at her look at her, look at her run right now with the basketball. You're like, that's why, that's why her left arm doesn't move.
1: And it makes complete sense when you're (laughs) playing basketball. And so then, you know, we got her in track season. I'm just like, okay, you're not dribbling a ball anymore. No one is trying to take the ball from your right hand. So just (laughs) let the left arm just swing freely. And when she knew like why it was going out there, it, it wasn't just like so focused on moving the arm, but this is just a good example of how, you know your your actions in one sport or one area of life can totally translate over to awkward movement or Mm an imbalanced movement in in running.
0: Yeah, and for those of us that are moms, you know, you probably had a hip that you favored. Oh, 100%. Right? Like, when you're holding your child, you know, as a mom, you are so good at multitasking because you have to be, right? Like, you can hold a kid and do all sorts of things. I know that you usually like, how do you do all of that? And it's like, I just have to. Like, Like you're
1: holding a kid and you literally just chopped an onion. What are you doing over there? (laughs) (laughs)
0: And didn't cry. (laughs) No, but like, you know, so when you have a kid, right, you, and and I'm a PT, and I've had lower back pain before. So I was very conscious of this and like trying to change the kid from one hip to the other. But if you're right hand dominant, you're naturally going to put the kid on the left hip most of the time, so that you can actually use the right hand to do things, right? Right.
1: I, on the other hand, have no hips. So if the kids were ever on me, I forced them to just climb on my back. It's a piggyback or up on my shoulders. Well, Those are the only options. That's
0: the beautiful thing about like the, the baby wearing, you know, like the baby Bjorn yes. and stuff that would put it right on the front of you. But again, that also pulled on your lower back like, yes, or that's in just, your upper back.
1: It's extra weight on the front mm-hmm. of you, which is not the greatest plat right. to put extra weight.
0: Right. So you might have muscle imbalances that's... Stem all the way from then, right? From when you had kids and you were favoring one side over the other that way. So, muscle imbalances, you probably have them. Like, there's pretty much, I would say, almost no one on the face of the earth that is not or that is perfectly balanced side to side.
1: No, even elite runners, you you watch them run and you're like, no, their arm swing is totally asymmetric. It's just that they figured out how to deal with it.
0: Correct. So, it's just a matter of how bad it is, like how much of a difference there is um, that whether or not it's going to actually cause a problem. Yes. Um, So muscle imbalance is one thing. Muscle weakness in general, again, that's side to side. It could be that imbalance, but it could just be generalized weakness. You can be weak on both sides. Um, And in runners, it's especially noticeable in the hip muscles. Your gluteus medius is one of the most important muscles for you as a runner to help stabilize your pelvis as you run. So if you ever watch someone run and you see that their hips kind of um, flop side to side, like kind of what's a, what's a good term for that how how can we describe this without actually just showing them a video of it
1: I don't know but I like that you just kind of keep
0: you like you like me flopping my hips back to back and forth as I'm
1: like, like if you look like you're trying here. to do a hula hoop as you're running you're not running correctly not
0: a hula hoop it's kind of your, like your hips <laughs> now I, I wish you guys could see Kevin doing his hip thing over here we didn't? really
1: should record this and put it on YouTube <laughs> I
0: know we should make this into a video podcast but anyway um so like you know hips that kind of like go side to side. um, Well, if you've ever
1: watched race walking, their Mm -hmm. hips are moving in a way that runner's hips shouldn't move. It's why race walkers get tons of injuries because their hips have to do this weird, crazy Mm -hmm. hip swing. So they always have a foot on the ground.
0: Right. So muscle weakness is a big one. Muscle tightness um, and then lack of joint mobility. So these are all things that can cause lower back pain. So let's jump into... What can we actually do about lower back pain? If you currently have lower back pain, these are some things that you're going to want to focus on. And if you don't have it and you don't want to have it, if you'd like to prevent it, you can also start to focus on some of these things.
1: Yeah, if you have it, throw in an ice pack. I think is the or a heating pad. A cute answer. Yeah, uh, it
0: depends on. Yeah, it, it it can be ice or heat, whichever one feels better. Whichever one feels that's, better. That's another. That's another good question. That's an answer that I get all the time. Like, should I use ice or heat? And it's like, if it's an acute injury, like spraining your ankle, especially if there's swelling, you always want to use ice. But if it's not acute, if it's kind of a more chronic thing that's kind of come on over time, use whichever one feels better.
1: All right, one option for what you can do about it: new shoes. Okay. If you are overusing your shoes or you have an improper pair of shoes, which may show by the shoes not wearing correctly, or, you know, you just, you look at the side of the shoe and the foam is just creasing, 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 creasing. You need a new pair of shoes. It'll Mm -hmm. increase the cushioning underneath you, which will help take up some of the uh, lack of cushioning that you no longer necessarily have in your spine.
0: Right. Number two would be getting enough recovery. Okay. So if you're doing too much, if you're ramping up your training and you're not getting enough recovery to actually allow your body to build itself back stronger, you're going to start breaking down and getting injuries all over the place. So achiness, pain, um, it can show up in your knees, in your hips, in your lower back. If you're not getting enough recovery, I would also make sure you focus there. Like, get, Make sure you're getting enough sleep. Make sure you're not putting speed work, you know, a ton of speed sessions back to back. You're not going hard all the time. You're giving yourself easy recovery runs. All those things are super important.
1: Yeah. And recovery kind of changes as we get a little bit older. Like I know I used to be able to knock out a speed session on Tuesday and Thursday. And now I really try and make sure I have two days between all of my speed sessions at Mm. all times. So it's like, it's a Monday, Thursday, or it's a Tuesday, Friday, or it's just getting in one speed (laughs) session this week because I missed the first one. Like somehow it just happens.
0: Right. And I think those are important Things to know as we get older, right? Because things do change and our bodies do change, and we need to adjust. If we're trying to train, if, if we're, you know, 50 years old and we're trying to train the same way we did when we were 25, it's not going to work.
1: No, no, no. I'm trying to hit the same times that I was hitting when I was in my low low and mid-20s. I'm definitely not doing it with the same training approach. Mm-hmm. I'm just still aiming for the same times. And it's working.
0: I mean, that's pretty amazing right there, right? And that's proof that you can still get faster. You can still improve. It doesn't matter how old you are. You just have to do things a little bit differently. And it's about trying to figure out what that is and how your body is going to respond best to the training.
1: Right. Thankfully, the wisdom also comes with age. Wisdom and a little patience.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Always, always helpful. Okay. Another thing that we want to focus on are core and hip strengthening. Okay. So most of the problems with that would cause lower back pain, and this is what I address with All of my patients, not just runners, anyone that comes to me with lower back pain, I'm going to give them exercises to strengthen their hips and I'm going to give them exercises to strengthen their core. So core to me is your abdominal muscles, your lower back muscles and your hips, like specifically your glute medius, your glute max, like all those glute and hip muscles yeah
1: these are like these are the exercises that like everybody should be doing like angie yeah. literally hands these exercises out to people as we're like standing in line at the grocery store like anybody anybody that like opens up a conversation with them she gives them a list of of core exercises <laughs> these are the exercises for everyone
0: right but core exercises do not include sit-ups and i will just go ahead and say it right now on the podcast i don't like sit-ups i don't like crunches i think most people do them wrong i think that in especially if you have lower back pain they for most people pose more of a risk than a benefit Mm -hmm. so when I say core strengthening I am not talking about sit-ups and if, if you tell me that you know, oh, I was listening to this podcast and she told me I need to do core strengthening, so I'm doing some sit ups. You did not get that from me.
1: No, no, definitely <laughs> not. No, get up off the floor and stop doing crunches. Definitely no. do stop, some doing planks. The, stop doing crunches for speed. I also, like, you're never no. going to get the form correct off no, of that one. No, do, no, some, no. do some planks and then right. stretch it out and come up with all varieties yeah. of planks. They're an amazing workout and way more functional for you as a runner.
0: Fun- functional training is super important. Um, planks are fantastic because they strengthen all of those muscles, they strengthen your abs. Abs, your back, your hips, all of them. Side planks are fantastic. Um, Clamshells, side leg lifts. It depends on exactly what's going on um, for some specifics, but really that's a lot of where you want to focus is the
1: core and the hip strength. Because that's, that's the area of making sure that everything is then moving correctly. Mm-hmm. You get that strong enough and it opens up your range of motion. Like if you're super weak, then the muscles just... try and overcompensate by getting Mm -hmm. super, super tight. So strengthen the muscles so they can actually demonstrate their real strength and not just get super, super tight on
0: you. Yeah. Another important thing to uh, point out here is doing single leg strengthening. Okay. Running essentially is a single leg sport. If you think about it, you're basically jumping from one leg to the other over and over and over again, approximately 180 times per minute, right? So if you don't have single leg stability, so like if we talk about squats, yeah, squats are great. Single leg squats are even better for runners specifically. Or just standing on one leg or doing balance activities where you're standing on one leg. All of those things are very important to help build that single leg stability and strength.
1: I was listening to a podcast. There was a strength coach who was talking all about like the early exercises that he does with runners that, that he brings in and he works with some like real high end runners. And he goes, I still start them off to see like how long they can do a plank. And then people show off and they're like, Oh no, no, I can do a plank for like five, 10 minutes. He's like, but they're not doing it correctly and they'll do squats and they want to see like how much weight can they throw on to do a, like a, you know, a full two legged squat. He goes, but the problem is that if your form is slightly off and you throw all this weight on, you're opening yourself up to injury. Mm -hmm. As soon as you go to one foot, your the weight that you can hold on that is substantially less and you can make huge gains just with body weight. And then you're much less likely to hurt yourself because you're trying to lift too much. Mm -hmm.
0: Totally. Um, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, and so definitely strengthening. And then the, the, Final thing that we want to talk about is mobility, okay? And there's two components of mobility. Um, I'm not talking about flexibility. So notice I'm not talking about stretching your muscles to help increase flexibility. Flexibility is when we're talking about the actual muscle length. And most people have adequate flexibility for running, okay? There's, you don't need a ton of flexibility for running,
1: Right. We're not gymnasts. We're just going out for a run.
0: Right. What you do need is mobility, which is the movement of your joints and also the movement of your soft tissues. That's what's important. Like how are your tissues and your joints moving with you know, within the, your body, right? Like how is one bone sliding, gliding on the other? Are your muscles and your tissues like gliding the way that they're supposed to? Are they kind of getting all gunked up and restricted in the process? All
1: right. So when we're talking lower back pain, what joints are we actually looking at here?
0: So the most, I mean, all of them, I would argue, right? Like I would, I would argue you you really want to look at all of your major joints, you know, your shoulders, your hips, um, your spine, your knees, your ankles. That's
1: why doing a squat is actually a really good exercise right, because, because all of your joints are moving.
0: Totally. If, if you think about it, like we'll go back to me as an example. When, if you have limited ankle mobility, I have limited ankle mobility, that is going to affect the calf muscles. Your calf muscles also attach above the knee. The knee muscles, then there's muscles that attach at the knee that also attach at the hip. Like it's all the chain. Going back to the knee bone is connected to the thigh bone right like the old song that we all learned when we were kids it's completely true so i would argue that you would you really do want to take a look at all of your joints even your shoulders are important as a runner um to see if they're moving correctly if you have limited range of motion like if you have an old shoulder injury and you can't if you don't have full range of motion in your shoulder a lot of times you get a lot of tightness in your upper back you have compensation you know there's there's All sorts of things that can happen. Your posture gets messed up, and then, boom, pressure on the lower back, right? So it can come from all sorts of places.
1: Yeah, yeah, the the tightness in the upper back that then leads to pressure in the lower back, and it's... uh often a matter of muscles trying to do things that they're not supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. It's the, the body is amazing that way. It, right. it will compensate for weakness or tightness in one area mm-hmm. with some other muscles stepping up to the plate, and that muscle is now doing a job it's not supposed to do, so it's not going to be very good at it, and you're going to feel the soreness real quick.
0: Yeah, and this is why we have self-assessment tests inside our Real Life Runners Training Academy that go through and take our runners, like people when you sign up for our training team, you can do all of these tests. We've got videos, and then we have what did these tests mean? Like, what do the results mean? You know, it's to, to assess, like, do you have adequate hip range of motion? Do you have adequate, you know, hip flexor uh, mobility? Um, do you have adequate hamstring mobility? All these things, single leg stability, um, so that you can k- kind of figure out where your weaknesses lie so that you can know where to focus more of your attention.
1: Right. I remember doing these exercises mm-hmm. on the checkpoint, and I was amazed that I, in fact, had adequate hip... Or hamstring mobility. Yeah, it was
0: you, you were right at the limit, but barely you, was, there. But it I had was enough. enough. Yeah, um, but if we if we want to kind of zero in on specific joints for lower back pain, I would say you definitely want to look at your hip joint, uh, making sure that you have enough mobility in your hip, and then also not just your lower spine, your lower back, but also your thoracic spine, which is like your upper back. Also, a lot of times limitations in the thoracic spine, the upper back. Tend to lead to pain in the lower back because the lower back is trying to compensate for some of those tightness um, they when you're really tight in your upper back, there are postural changes that happen and that can put more pressure on your lower back as well. So I used, I like to tell people to, you know, do some foam rolling for the lower back and also for the upper back, um, foam roll the glutes, get the lacrosse ball in there, try to loosen that up. But that's actually takes us into, um, the next point of soft tissue mobility, right? You want joint mobility, making sure that you have adequate range of motion in your joints, but then also soft tissue mobility that you have, um, not as not you know don't have those soft tissue restrictions that are limiting the mo- the movement
1: yeah you you mentioned the uh, the tightness in the thoracic spine um and that upper back tightness and we all just live in this age where we're so constantly in the let's bring my shoulders forward so i can type at the computer let's bring my shoulders forward so i can text on my phone mm-hmm. all so much activity leads to this hunched Like head forward, chin jutted out, shoulders drooped, arms extended in front of you. It's an awkward motion. And then when you go from that and try and go up for a run where you have to have like more upright, bring the shoulders back. It's this jarring change from -hmm. this like slumped posture to a standing upright posture. And sometimes the the lower back is over there like, all right, I guess I'll pick up the slack over here. Mm -hmm. And now your lower back hurts.
0: Right. And that goes back to like, what do you do all day? Like we didn't even address that like as possible risk factors. like in my opinion what are you doing all day before you run or after you run are you going out and running fatiguing these back muscles and then sitting in a slumped posture in a non-supportive chair all day long yeah like that's bad you know that's that is not a, a good recipe for lower back health right like you have to be aware of your posture all day long um tightening up your core engaging those muscles like it's not just while you're running like this is another reason and another example of why being a real life runner is the most important thing for you and the most effective way for you to feel good because you you'll think about your body outside of running as well you think about how running affects your life and also how your life affects your running
1: right yeah they they completely go together And and you point out You don't want to go for a run and then sit in a non-supportive chair and just sort of have that slump posture all day long. You don't do the reverse either. Like if you're an evening runner, you don't want to be in in your unsupportive chair and slumped position all day Mm -hmm. long and then pop up and be like, all right, now it's time to run. This is going to be my, my good exercise. It's it's a recipe for long-term pain.
0: Right. And so if you are an evening runner, one of the best things that you need to do is stretch out those hip flexors before you go run. Okay? Because when you're in a seated position all day long, your hip flexors, which are the muscles on the front of your hips, get very tight because they're like in a – contracted position all day long right so don't just then like kevin said put on your running shoes and head out the door spend five minutes to just like do some dynamic active stretching like some runners lunges some high lunges um some some pigeons like some other things pigeons isn't going to stretch out your hip flexors but there are some other hip mobility exercises you can do as part of a dynamic warm-up so that you're not just like taking these muscles that are in this contracted state all day long and heading out on the run. Same thing if you are a morning runner, right? Like you've been spending all night sleeping. You don't really know what position you've been in, most of us. And a lot of us sleep on our, I know I sleep on my side most of the night and my hips are in a flex position. Like I'm not straight
1: yeah, I am completely straight on my...
0: You lay on your stomach, though. I okay. lay on my
1: stomach yeah. and, and just don't move. I'm just I used dead to, to the world. I
0: used to sleep on my stomach, um, but it's more... You have a higher risk of lower back pain and neck pain if you're a stomach sleeper.
1: Oh, man. So there you go. I I just, I can't pull off side sleeping. I've tried it. It just (laughs) doesn't work for me. Yeah,
0: I mean, there's a lot of things that we could look at here when it comes to lower back pain, but these are some of the most important things that we want you guys to focus on as a runner. Okay, so make sure that you're getting in that core and hip strengthening. Make sure that you're doing mobility work where you're doing some dynamic stretching, active stretching, and then also doing some soft tissue mobility work where you're foam rolling, massage, lacrosse ball. There's a lot of different things that you can do to help promote the best joint health, the best body health that you can have so that you're not limited by lower back pain when you go out and run. And if you're one of those runners that like maybe you don't have lower back pain at the beginning, but it shows up like on your long runs or after a certain mile, it's because those muscles are fatiguing. So you just need to continue to build up that strength until you do. Maybe you want to pull back the mileage a little bit, you know, maybe you want to instead of ramping up every week, kind of pull back and, and have some where you're doing like a couple of weeks at the same amount of mileage to kind of allow your muscle strength to catch up because it does take time to build the strength and the stability that you need.
1: Yeah. I mean, that goes back to, we had a, a base building episode a few episodes back and you need to do more than just build up mileage. Like you got to make sure that you have the overall like strength in all of the muscles to head out there for a couple of hours before mm-hmm. you can just be like, yeah, I can make it for a couple of hours. I've got my hydration pack and I'm, I'm ready to roll. Yeah. Like if you don't have the strength and not just like the power, but the endurance in those muscles to mm-hmm. head out there for that long – it's it's going to be a painful journey all the way out there. And yeah. you gotta you got to build the strength as part of your base.
0: Right. So if you want some help figuring this out, we would love to help you. This is what I love doing for runners on our training team. You know, people that come to us that are in pain or that have a history of pain and they don't want to go back to that or they need help kind of getting back into running after they've had an injury or after they've had this bout of pain. Um, this is what we do. You know, we help runners to have a comprehensive plan that will get them safely back into running that also incorporates the strength training and the mobility work that you need to go out there and run without pain regardless of how old you are I don't care don't like I I asked you just because I love to hear it you know I love I love helping runners in their 50s in their 60s um, in their 40s like to get out there and run without pain. It just makes me so so happy. So if you're having any sort of pain, we have all of those resources for you inside the Real Life Runners training team. We have exercise videos, we have training plans, like all of those things that you need, all of the tools that you need to go out and run without pain. So if that's something you're interested in, I highly suggest you check out the team and come join us because if you want to run without pain, it is possible. It, you just have to do it the right way. Also, if you don't already, make sure you follow us over on Instagram at Real Life Runners. We post videos there of different exercises as well if you want to try to figure this all out on your own. But if you don't Want to figure it out all out on your own anymore, just come join the team, and we'll give you the plan that you can follow.
1: yeah, the plan is super helpful, and you can be pain free and you can be fast like I'm still hitting times that I was hitting from mm-hmm. uh, God, it's a couple decades ago at this point, but <laughs> uh, you can still hit the speeds you want. You just yep. have to have an intelligent way of training
0: right, exactly. All right, guys. So as always, thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode and you think it would help someone else, please leave us a review on iTunes and feel free to please share it, right? Hit that little button in the bottom corner, the square with the little arrow, and share this episode with a friend that you think could benefit from it. This has been the Real Life Runners Podcast, episode number 198. Now get out there and run your life.
1: Hey. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, you have to come check out the Real Life Runners Training Team. It's our monthly coaching program where we take all of this material, we apply it, and we take it to the next level. We teach you how to train your mind, body, and skills for true and lasting success in your running and your life. We
0: offer customized training plans, live coaching calls, and one-on-one coaching, along with our proven system to help you transform into the runner you want to be and achieve your goals. Come join our team over at realliferunners.com forward slash team and start to truly run your life. We'll see you there. If you're ready to have more fun and achieve the goals that matter to you without sacrificing the rest of your life in the process, this message is for you. Maybe you're feeling confused or frustrated because you're not making the progress you want, even though you're running three times per week or more. Maybe you're feeling tired or sore all the time because you're pushing harder every day trying to get better. Maybe you want to run longer, but every time you run a couple of miles, that nagging knee pain starts to act up again. Maybe you've been told that you should probably stop running so much because you're getting older, but you refuse to accept that and want to find a way to continue to improve in your 40s, 50s, and beyond. Maybe you just feel like you're winging it every day and want to start working towards a goal. You want to feel better and be able to make progress in your running as you get older. And if you're like us and the other runners we work with, you want your running to help you become stronger and more resilient in all other areas of your life too. Plus, You need something that fits in your real life, that is simple, easy to understand, and effective. Don't worry, we've got you. If you're ready to transform into a strong, confident, and successful real-life runner, the Real Life Runners Academy has everything you need. It includes training plans, coaching, and programs that will teach you how to run faster, run longer, feel better, and accomplish your goals. Check it out today over at realliferunners.com forward slash academy. Enrollment will be opening soon, so be sure to join the wait list so that you can be notified when doors are open. It's time to run your life.